Welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fund Calibre. Today, we're focusing on the property market, both in the UK and in Europe. We look at property in times of inflation, the impact of the pandemic on office spaces, and the possibility of a green building super cycle in the future. I'm Darius McDermott from Fund Calibre, and this is the Investing on the Go podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Marcus Fairmudge, who is the fund manager of the TR Property Investment Trust Company. Marcus, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, Darius. I'm well, thank you. Good. So, look, real a difficult time for investors. Inflation's going through the roof. I get asked every day how we inflation-proof our protect, uh, protect our portfolios. Um and everyone talks about gold, they talk about commodities, and here we are with boring old property. Yet, um, I've had a little sneaky look at your numbers to the end, well, from the end of last March, and your NAV's up 19%. Um, looks like you're ticking the inflation bucket, Marcus. What do you think? Yeah, Darius, I think it's it's absolutely right. The real estate, you know, at the end of the day, it is a real asset, and um, that that is fundamentally going to help it uh, hugely as a, as a form of defense. But much more importantly, you've got to look at the evidence. And, and the evidence is really all around um, index-linked income. How, how much of, you know, at the end of the day, the value of your real estate is, is a product of, uh, of what you can earn off that um, uh, piece of, that, that piece of, um, of commercial property, residential property, land, et cetera. Um, and at the end of the day, all of our European exposure is index linked. And in the UK, the vast or an ever-increasing percentage, and we're particularly focused on businesses like LXI, Secure Income Read, the healthcare name, self-storage. These businesses have been really uh, very much keeping up um, with, with, with inflation. So you've got that, that index-linked income stream. But behind all of this is, is a realization that actually the cycle is crucial. Uh, and we've looked at a lot of data. And, you know, in the very short term, there's not a lot of inflation linkage. Medium term, longer term, absolutely is particular as long as you are calling a particular subsector um, uh, correctly. So if you've got a sector that's sort of in decline, and I would use the experience that we've had over the last uh, decade uh, of declining values in, in shopping centers, we think that may be bottoming out in some places. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute. But yeah, those areas, doesn't matter whether inflation is high or low, they're going down in value. But many other subsectors, if you've got a much more ambient um, uh, market dynamic, then you will find yourself with, with decent inflation proofing. I know you like LXI uh, and a couple of other names that, 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 that we, we follow separately to, to your trust. Do they have full index linking or are they sort of capped at four or five percent? So they capture the majority or do or is it a, a balance of those? It's a, it's a great question. And the answer is absolutely. They are they are capped. So, you, you know, if inflation is rampant, then yeah. um, you, you, you are going to have a problem. But that isn't going to be your biggest problem in a, in a scenario of of a very high single digit or dare I say double digit inflation growth cannot keep up with that that will be that is a stagflationary environment that is bad for all all risk assets and, and real estate is, is not alone in that where where it is a particular problem is actually in parts of say healthcare which have struggled to even deliver kind of CPI uh, and uh, and certainly not RPI level of indexation um, and here you've got to look 
you know, it's all well and good having a lease that's index linked, index linked. But ultimately, can your tenant, can your counterparty afford to pay uh, to pay those rents? And that's yeah. where we, you know, we're we're particularly careful. You know, one of the reasons we like supermarket income REIT is we found that you know the, the large supermarkets have managed to um, I- increase their margins, and they do so in a in a when you get a food inflationary environment that um, they actually do manage to expand their margins very slightly. Whereas healthcare is proving particularly difficult because the costs are going up everywhere. I'm afraid this is a one of the direct consequences of Brexit has been that you know the, the loss of of European qualified staff. Yeah. So we've done podcasts um I, I remember doing vividly well with you the summer of 2020 post COVID and we talked about the losers and the losers getting weaker and the weaks the stronger getting stronger, I logistics and all those fine things. Let's have a little talk about offices. Now, offices are minding their own business. Some regions are expensive, some are cheap. And then comes um, pandemic. And I, I can see by the look of your screen and my screen, you and I are both currently working from home today, as is this new hybrid world. What's your view on offices? Are we ever going back to where we were? And what does it mean for the sector? And again, I know you're a pan-European investor. Let's talk about Europe as well as just the UK. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's. I would say that the um, the fog uh, and the mists are, are, are clearing in terms of our the, you know, the qualification of our outlook, and what it's really looking working out to be is it's all about the relationship between the employee's desire and need to go to travel uh, to commute to somewhere is the environment they're going to that much better and more ba- valuable for them than sitting in, in their own domestic environment. And we see this very clearly in the trade-off between the difference between London and Paris over on the sort of in one camp and pretty well every other smaller European city, be it uh, Gothenburg, Berlin, Stockholm, Munich, um, Madrid, Barcelona, Milan, where we're seeing, uh, and some of the smaller French cities, Lyon, Marseille, where we're seeing very high levels of return to office. If you look at BMO's own offices in uh, across Europe, very, very high levels of, of, of return to office. And that's quite simply because your commute is short and you get a lot out of the working environment, working, you know, collaboration and, w- and with your colleagues. So what do we expect to see? We expect to see some impact, particularly in larger cities, but we don't think that impact will necessarily be felt hardest right in the core. And we're already seeing this. If you look at Paris CBD, rents are rising there compared to what's going on in the periphery, La Défense and further afield. It's the same in central London. We're actually seeing the West End, core city responding well. Um, Docklands not doing, not doing so well. And some of the sub-regional markets uh, are, are proving difficult. There, there, is, there is going to be a change. But for most of us, we do not want to go and work only from home. We want to have this hybrid. So then it's a question of, is your desk in the office uh, empty when you're not sitting in it because you're sitting in your, your desk at home? Or are you really going into uh, a full-time um, desk sharing uh, 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 arrangement? And that's, of course, the case for much larger companies. They're able to do that and be able mm-hmm. to manage that process more, more thoroughly. But what we are absolutely seeing, if you think that every single large um, a corporate, you know, essentially across the globe, are signing up to uh, uh, to much much better emissions uh, management of their of their carbon emission um, and other green criteria, and that applies to real estate that they both own and occupy. 
Um, and you know, we're certainly aware of, of, a, of a serious shortage uh, of, of prime grade A um, real estate um, office space that, that fits a lot of this criteria. And we think that we expect to see a essentially a green building super cycle emerging in certain core markets um, uh, uh, across the world. That doesn't bode well for a lot of brown buildings that will require money to be spent on it. And let's face it, the, you know, the cost of the air conditioning unit um, in, in central London, it's the same bit of kit uh, in a market where the rents are £100 a foot, as it is if you go into you know, somewhere, you know, a, 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 a much more peripheral or even regional market where rents are 20 or 30 quid. So the economics just don't stack up. So look, you've touched on um, big buildings and emissions and air conditioning units. I was talking to another fund manager last week and one of their favourite stocks is um, a European stock, which is reducing the output um, or or, or the climate amount of of difficulty that that, that air conditioning does. Let's talk about buildings. And I think you touched on the green building super cycle. What, What exactly does that mean? I mean, uh, my understanding is that the buildings account for a third of global emission, global gas emissions seems quite high. And surely there's something that, that can be done in some of these areas. Absolutely. So looking forward, you will find that there'll be, um, is, there's been a huge amount of, of, of evolution in, uh, not so much in, in, in construction techniques, but certainly in, in M&A and in the Quality of uh, insulation uh, in buildings, but what? But, but remember, there's a huge amount of embedded carbon in the construction of assets that buildings are already built. And essentially, what you're looking for are buildings with what we call good bones, i.e., when you strip them back to their to their frame, have you got that that floor to ceiling height that allows you to then put in uh, retrospectively fit um, a new air handling air management. Um, you want to put in new windows that open, but they're going to be triple glazed. Uh, you're going to use ground source heat pumps. You're going to use air source. You're going to do, use solar, um, and, not, and and more importantly, the environment that, that the, your the, your tenant wants, you know, will involve um, you know many more showers, many more cycle bays, um, as much outside outside space as they can get, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All of which has a cost, but but potentially a value. And remember that as a you know when you look at the the um, the cost to companies. Uh, operating in a uh, using office space, that the cost of, uh, of their of their top line that they've spent the the overhead of the space compared to the overhead of staff um, are completely inverted. I.e., cost of people has gone up and up and up, and cost per foot for um, office space has gone down and down. Mainly because we've been able to increase densification. Now, as a landlord, it, it's music to our ears if we think that we're all going to reverse that densification. I.e., we're going to not squish as many people in and actually our, our corporates are going to spend more money spend it better possibly uh, on space for their employees particularly as they're sharing some of that cost because the employee is sitting at their home office which the company isn't paying for part of the time so there's there's, there's lots of moving parts and i think to say you know the, the office is dead uh, is, is is certainly wrong and if we look at um you know there's been some very large private equity that certainly um, agree with us. We've seen in the last uh, month um, uh, Brookfield buy out Austria, which is Germany's largest, um, one of its largest office uh, listed office owners. And then last week um, they've just bid for Hibernia, um, 
we were fortunate to own uh, just just over three and a half percent of Hibernia, so the share price uh, went up by nearly forty percent uh, in the day. Now, whilst that's a short-term pop for investors in TR props, um, that, that begs the question: Well, you're losing companies to private equity, which which we are, um, and that is a, that is also a problem. But the but the neat segue is into the fact that you no, know, for investors, that that's a really that's a that's a big green flag uh, in terms of hey, uh, there's a big underpin for listed property companies here because if the stock market allows these companies to get too cheap, um, then private capital will come in and buy them. So it's a, it's a superb underpin, and 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 investors should take you know a lot of a lot of confidence um, from these transactions. And and there have been you know several others uh, which we can talk about as well. Very interesting. Um, we touched very briefly on shopping centres and your um, comment earlier about sort of a structural decline. Yet I see one of the trust's largest weighting is to European shopping centres. How do they differ from UK shopping centres? Is it just on valuation or yield, or are they thriving in a different way than we see on our high streets? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and and quite simply, the answer is yes, they are different. Um, the UK shopping centre model was one um, from the 1950s onwards was essentially a shopping centre anchored by one or two department stores, with uh, and then surrounded by you know uh, wings of of, of ordinary um, standard shopping units. Um, Europe's completely different. They're the they're anchored by hypermarkets, so your food. Whereas in the UK, you're your Tesco's and your Sainsbury's and your Waitrose, et cetera, physically, invariably physically separate. Some are attached to shopping centers, but the vast majority aren't. In the continent, it's very different. You think about your, your, your last holiday in France, you, you go to the, to, 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 to the casino or the Leclerc or whatever, and you have you know, the shops around there. The, so the second area, more pressing one in the UK, was the five-yearly upward only rent review that basically meant that for the last 25 years, rents have been rising up and up and up in UK shopping centres, and really to unaffordable levels. Yeah. And it took, um, uh, essentially, uh, it took a crisis, um, both of uh, the GFC and, um, uh, and and then subsequently the, 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 the internet and then the pandemic to really accelerate the fact that rents need to be rebased. On the continent, they have always been very much index linked and you've had a much closer relationship between turnover and rent, and that's where um, uh, and that's why for us shopping centres in Europe are much more um, uh, fairly valued uh, as far as the, the tenants are concerned. The second aspect then is the price of the equities. Now, I'm not about to be. I'm not a big flag waver of shopping centres per se because they're just, you know they're not convenient. We can do so much online, etc. I was a big. Uh, I've been. I've had very little retail exposure for many years. But today, I can buy European shopping centres off implied yields of six and a half, seven percent, trading at thirty percent discounts to asset value. Euro Commercial, one of our top names, um, produced its numbers last week. Vacancy of one and a half percent. Virtually no uh, rental arrears whatsoever. Trading, as I said, at a 25, 30 discount to its asset value. So very, very, very happy uh, based on the difference between the UK and Europe, but more importantly on, on valuation fundamentals, because lots of investors are like, ah, it's retail, I don't want to own it. But our job is to turn over 
every stone uh, and to find those find those gems. So look, maybe a couple of last questions then. And um, we'll start on with um, your view on click and collect rather than home delivery back in good old UK as, as, as an area that, that, that you're more positive on. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, as we, as we all uh, try to minimise our, um, our, 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 our carbon usage and our, and our, our footprint, our carbon footprints, you know, one of the most obvious ones is you know, how many times uh, a van turns up outside your house to deliver a package um, you know, the size of a shoebox. Um, the fact of the matter is the retailing community and us as consumers need to increasingly get to the point where we are, we are being essentially rewarded in a different pricing point to go and collect the goods than to, than, than to have them delivered to our homes. And that is happening uh, all the time. We're incentivized certainly by the supermarkets to, to, to click and collect. And the fact that you can now pick up you know, other packages from your supermarket, et cetera. So where you're shopping regularly, um, that, and I think that's going to evolve. And that's really feeding through into retail warehousing um, um, because that is just you know, the most obvious physical um, retail exposure, edge of town, convenient, free parking. And they're doing really, really well. And we're seeing you know, really quite decent signs of rental growth um, uh, in, in retail warehousing. So we're very encouraged. We own quite a lot of business called um, Ediston, which is your, the UK's only pure uh, retail warehouse uh, REIT. Okay, maybe then just to close, a couple of other subsectors that I know you're interested in. Uh, one is healthcare and the other is co-living. Could you just give us a, a moment or two on each of those? Yeah, health, healthcare, the, the problem with healthcare, it, cover, it covers quite a lot of areas. We've got primary, uh, we've got elderly, we've got retirement, living. Um, and really what we, what we like about this ultimately is the, the fundamental is it, it's, it's, it's needed, it's necessary, it's vital. Yeah. Um, and then it's just a question of are you buying at the right price, the right price, the right the right cycle? Um, and you know we we think that you know we've seen some very good numbers um, uh, uh, from certainly from uh, elderly living, um, particularly where you find the right operator who's offering you know because there's a, a lot of retirees who what you know can afford to go into. Uh, good quality retirement living, and that's an area. So the, the higher end, we're, we're, we're much more focused on on that end through businesses like Target Healthcare. Europe, of course, has had this horrible um, uh, issue around Orpea, uh, uh, which is a, a nursing home operator, which is, well, as of this morning, I think the French state have now indicted the company and there's going to be a, a, a court case. Um, but, but really, a very... A very badly run business, a lot of financial irregularities. But when you drive to the core of it, the margins were just too thin, and that is what's yeah. forcing these companies. That, you know, so do I want to be exposed to to where I, we come back to ultimately the counterparty risk in your tenant? Can they afford to pay the rent? And if the rent moves too high, um, then of course that you know that, that's not that's not not really um, somewhere you want to be. Um, Co living, I think, is very interesting, and whilst. UK's first sort of co-living REIT, the, uh, was the capital raise was, was, was pulled um, because it coincided with the start of the terrible events in, in Ukraine. It may well come back, it may not, but we're, we're certainly looking at another one that's going to be IPOing uh, in, uh, coming out of Spain. Um, and I think it's just very much it, the, 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 the way forward. People want to have that flexibility, the same way that as students, you and I, um, you know, dreadful places that we were forced to live uh, as students. Whereas now, you know, you've got forty percent plus in, in purpose built. 
much, much better environment. And given a choice, um, people will go to, to, to a purpose-built accommodation. And same applies uh, to co-living, the opportunity to, to have that shared experience, but also your own space, um, and, but with the flexibility. And a, and a professional landlord, an institutional landlord, who isn't suddenly going to ring you up and say, right, your lease is coming to an end, your rent's going up by 15% or, or sling your hook. Um, you're going to have a, a, a much more... And that ultimately is attractive, and it's about the institutionalization of a particular sub-asset class. And we remain very positive about the private rented sector um, in Germany and in Sweden, um, albeit right now, stock markets are saying rates are rising, these are bond proxies, share prices must fall. And but my point is the share, we're now looking at share prices like Bonovia trading at, um, uh, at huge, huge discounts to its asset value. Yes, earnings growth is going to be a little bit anemic for a while, but fundamentally, um, there is a, you know this is this is a really solid long-term value. You, you cannot build um, these portfolios for the price that the share price is, is trading at. They're, they're way, way, way below rebuild cost. Marcus, thank you very much. I always find talking to to you a property. You think property, but it's got so many subsectors, geographies. You know. When I started covering property you know, 20 plus years ago, it was offices, um, retail and industrial. And, and, and now, as you say, we've got co-living um, and, and last, last stop REITs and, and, and you know, all sorts of other fantastic investment opportunities. So, Marcus, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, brief takeaway from myself, it, given the high inflation and um, the NAV return on this trust, I think it's good evidence. I think your words earlier of index link income is really key and maybe just a final closing words on the bit we talked about the green um, green building super cycle you know it's good for the environment it's good for the tenants and as you've proved it's good for investors so um three ticks across the board there so marcus thank you very much for your time this afternoon um this is the investing on the go podcast if you've enjoyed this podcast please do remember to subscribe and like Marcus has been running the TR Property Investment Trust for over 15 years, investing in the shares of property companies of all sizes, typically within Europe and the UK. As this podcast has covered, the manager covers a range of subsectors, including alternatives such as student accommodation, self-storage, and healthcare. To learn more about the TR Property Investment Trust, visit fundcaliber.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Caliber's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Caliber's research team only. 